welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today I have the one and only Ebenezer Samuel, who is the fitness director of Men's Health Magazine. He is also a certified strength and conditioning specialist and once upon a time was a journalist in the heart of New York City, which is how he ended up getting a job and becoming one of the main content creators and directors at Men's Health Magazine, which goes way beyond just the magazine. It goes into YouTube, it goes into Instagram, it goes online to their blog and to many other places. And if you are watching this right now, I'm sure you have heard of Men's Health and Women's Health Magazine because it's one of the biggest juggernauts in the content creation game and it has been for decades. So it's really cool to get him on the podcast because he is somebody that knows how to really speak the language of the individuals on the other side of the screen or on the other side of these uh, headphones or the mic or, or the written content on Instagram, wherever you are consuming my content or Ebenezer's content or men's health content. The point is, is he knows content, which means he knows strength and conditioning, specifically building muscle and building strength for guys who want to improve their physique the simple way, which is a lot of what we talk about today. We dive into his story, talk about how he got to where he is today, what their goal is at Men's Health Magazine, and his best advice for dudes trying to get jacked without overcomplicating things. So very excited about this episode. Him and I have been connecting for a long, long time, which we get into in this episode as well. And uh, we were finally able to make it happen. So without any further ado, let's get into the podcast with the one and only Ebenezer Samuel. All right, man. I'm excited about this one. This has been uh, a long time coming. We've been in touch for quite a while now that that I scrolled back in the DMs. It was quite a while ago when we first touched base. Uh, but I'm excited to finally have you on the podcast. And uh, especially because we haven't had somebody of your uh, caliber or who who is in your role and your position on the podcast. So this is going to be cool because you are somewhat of a unique guest. And I think you can really speak to a lot of our listeners. So um, Ebenezer, man, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. And first and foremost, tell the listeners who you are and, and what you do before we kind of get into your backstory. Yeah, so I am the, uh, first of all, I'm excited to be here too. You're right. I feel like we started talking pre-pandemic or maybe during the pandemic at yeah. some point. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely excited to be here too. So I am the fitness director for Men's Health. I've served in that role for, I want to say about four years now. Um, and in that role, I, you know, I, I, I train people, I have my own clients. Um, but in addition to that, and kind of the big part of that is kind of focusing and figuring out how to build the content for, for Men's Health. So I do a lot of our fitness video and drive that, um, kind of creating a lot of fitness video, figuring out what works for that audience. Um, I kind of oversee the writing of everything that goes onto the website. Um, so every story that is kind of on mentalhealth.com, I've kind of had a hand in and approved. Um, and then I do the same thing for the magazine. I was originally hired mostly for the magazine. It's crazy to think about it, but four years ago, it was a very, very different era when it comes to media and fitness media. Um, and then we've obviously just kind of grown. Um, we've gotten a lot more into video um, and we've gotten a lot more into just really kind of trying to be, I guess, a light for good fitness um, in the online space. So that's that's probably my main job. Um, and then again, like I said, in addition to that, you know, I, I work with my own clients. Um, I work with a couple of fitness apps um, and just try to, you know, do the whole fitness influencing thing. Like, I feel like we're all trying to do these days. Yeah, I love it, man. Uh yeah, you're you're the epitome of a, a content creator. I mean, on, on 
multiple levels and, and not the kind that most people see just posting on Instagram, although you do that too. Uh, you do it on a much larger scale. And it it is crazy. Like you, you mentioned four years ago, some people listening are probably real fresh trainers, so they might not even be able to relate to this. But I remember, I mean, pre-social media, I got, when I first started trying to, for me, it was trying to lose a little bit of weight and get into the stuff. I literally would, I worked at a pharmacy. I would grab magazines like Men's Health, mm-hmm. Men's Fitness, um, all the Flex magazine, all that shit. And that was, <laughs> like, that was content. Yeah consumption, you know? Um, and I think it's cool that you, you mentioned, you know, and we're going to talk about this day being a light in the industry. Cause I talking about all those magazines, there's a lot of, uh, not the best information out there, unfortunately. And, and I think the online world just spread that even more, but before we get into that, how, like what originally got you into fitness? Like, why did you start going down that path? Yeah. So it's, uh, I kind of started on the opposite end of the spectrum to you. So you wanted to lose a little weight and that kind of got you into fitness. I was the, you know, 11, 12, 13 year olds who couldn't do a push up and wanted to, you know, pack on some muscle and look like a superhero. Um, and so that's how I got into fitness. I remember my mom kind of signing me up for gymnastics when I was a kid. This is a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. <laughs> um, okay. You know, I'm, I'm like seven, eight years old. The only kid in gymnastics who can't do a push up, who can't, you know, flip, who can't like hang on the bar. Right. Um, and from kind of that point on, I, I wanted to. I grew up on comic books and I wanted to look like a superhero. I wanted to kind of move that way. Um, jumping off your roof is not a good idea though. So the whole flying thing didn't happen, but <laughs> along the way for me, I remember, you know, I had no, the only thing, you know, when you're a kid is push-ups, Right. And I remember going to the library, if you remember those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom would drop me off there. And I remember there was this book of, it was like some kind of arms book. And I don't remember much about it, but all I remember is there was like Arnold Schwarzenegger on there um with the double back biceps and i was like that's what i want to be i can't do a push-up but if i look like that i bet i can figure out how to do a push-up um and you know read that uh read that kind of you know tried to figure out how to do a couple exercises um did most of them wrong for a very very long time did everything wrong for a very very long time but that was kind of my entry point into fitness um and probably up until you know teaching myself picking up the magazines at the time, it was mostly the magazines. Um, it was a lot of, you know, it, it, it eventually morphed into YouTube when I was in college. Um, that started to kind of come up. So I would watch a lot of, you know, um, you know, the guys like Athlean X, just trying to figure out how to do exercises and trying to implement everything they said, but not totally understanding it, right? Um, and I probably did that, wanted to be in fitness training, um, but didn't really think of that as an industry at the time. So I actually wound up going into, and it, it worked out really well. I wound up going into, um, well, I, I got an accounting degree first, which is a long, complicated story. That's like a, my dad wanted me to do a thing. Um, but then I went back to school and I got a journalism degree. Um, and again, the whole time I'm kind of doing fitness, learning it, getting some things right, getting some things wrong, gradually getting more wrapped up in the science as I made mistakes and had surgeries and had to get stuff fixed, you know, torn ACL, labrum, all the kind of stuff as, and as I'm doing that, I'm starting to kind of learn the science and get more involved, um, get more involved in that. And roundabout way of saying, I wound up in a journalism career first, kind of training people on the side, um, eventually got certified. Um, journal, uh, journalism was always the thing that put food on the table fitness was always the thing I loved. Um, about five years ago, men's health had an opening for a fitness editor. Um, and I, again, something I'd always wanted to do. Um, I can tell you a story about that at another, um, midway through about how I 
was supposed to intern for Men's Health, but I messed that up um, when I was in college. Um, but something I always wanted to do, so I applied for that, and that kind of got me to where I am now. So I kind of took, I think it kind of works really well for Men's Health in that I came up in the business of content and media um, and how to kind of grab people's attention, if you will, because that's what that's what so much of, of fitness media is about, of any media is about. But I always had a love of fitness. And so being able to kind of, I can speak to the content people who I have to in the business at Men's Health, in the business elsewhere, right? But at this, and I understand the challenges that they face in terms of grabbing people um, and getting people's attention, holding people's attention um, and keeping people in for longer than 15 seconds on TikTok. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, more than anything, partly because of some of the mistakes I've made um, and partly just because I really, really love the science of what we do and the science of, of growing muscle, of you know, losing body fat, of learning how to get more skilled at movement. Um, I love that and I never lose sight of that. So I think I'm able to speak to both worlds and that's kind of why um, I'd like to think I'm doing a pretty good job at what I do. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I would, you know, the next thing I wanted to ask you was is really like, how do you end up at men's health, which you kind of started alluding to that. And, and I'm assuming you messed up. So you didn't get the internship and somehow you ended up there again, but obviously having the journalism background influenced that I'm hoping that, um, I mean, number one, we always like to get the backstory, but also I think there's, yeah. uh, a lot of my listeners know I'm often talking about writing as a skill that I think trainers and nutritionists should still be trying to develop because that's how I started my company, it was a blog and then it turned into a company and then I got Instagram and, and the podcast and everything. But I think that writing is such a fundamental skill for coaches to just learn how to do what they do better and communicate more effectively the the science to people who don't understand science, right? And that's what obviously one of the reasons I was excited to get you on. But how did you end up at Men's Health? Because I think some of that journey and what you did, it might actually help influence some of the people with just not necessarily to go do the same thing, but at least influence them in a way to keep writing or put more into their content creation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so, you, so basically, I tried to give you the the super quick version, um, but I can give you this slightly more drawn out. Yeah. Version. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, 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 but I, I, just as I know, I love what you're saying about um, about right because I do think what we do as trainers all about communication, right? Um, and it's it's a lot harder than it's it's very often a lot harder than we think, especially as we've gone kind of more virtual. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you have online clients. I was initially very against it, but then there came a point in the pandemic where this is the only way you can communicate with people. So um, I felt like I had to learn it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I do think, yeah, communication is a huge, I think I'd say communication very generally, right? Because even if you can't write, you're still talking to people. Um, and your goal, our job is to make people or help people move better. Um, and and uh, to some extent, I mean, we can touch them to cue them. We can um, give them like the video example, give them the visual example. But at some point we have to tell them, okay, here's how you do the exercise. And we can communicate in, in the very, very, you know, in eccentric and concentric and, you know, myofibrils and all that kind of stuff. Or we can communicate at a very base level. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, you're going to bend, you know, push your butt back. You're going to uh, squeeze your shoulder blades. And on some level we have to learn that. So you're, I think any... I think the trainers who are the best 
also at making at making content and kind of speaking to a mass audience. The trainers who are the best at that are trainers who have taken the time on some level, you know, whether it's to write their scripts or to write stories or whatever it is. So I think communication um, is is an invaluable skill. You can know everything up here, but if you can't get it out through your mouth in a way that people can comprehend it, it's 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 really good knowledge, but it's not going to make you a great trainer. So. Um, yeah, so I, I love that. I, so the, the long version for me, um, and I'll start with, I'll start with the story I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier is, um, so I was, I, again, I'm in school for journalism, um, in order to complete, I went to Syracuse in order to complete their, um, master's program for journalism, you need to do an internship. Um, it's really hard to find internships in media. Um, I wound up at the New York daily news, but before that I had an interview with, um, with men's health, um, I could write, I could write really well. Um, not a great communicator, said all the wrong things. So I sit in my interview, the lady is like, um, she's like, you know, so so what's your favorite? This keep in mind, this is a, a recruiter for men's health. Um, she's like, What's your favorite, what's your favorite um magazine? What do you want to do with yourself? And I went on a rant about how I loved ESPN the magazine and all the content in there. Um, and all the writers are great. And she's like, so, so why are you here again? And I was like, oh, wow, I really blew that. Um, so I wound up, I wound up at the, uh, I wound up at the New York Daily News. Um, newspaper business is great. It is, it is the greatest for teaching you to communicate. And I wouldn't trade it for the world because every single day you have to write something. Um, and not just on, on top of that, every single day I was in sports and every single day I have to do two other real, really important things that I think have helped me in my career. One, I have to, and I hope that this, uh, I hope I do not make your podcast too journalism. -y. So if I do just stop me. Um, but one, I have to interview somebody every day, you know, I was in sports, so I'm interviewing, you know, athletes. Right. And that means I have to, and that, that means I have to talk to people. Um, and I have to find a way to convey like the question I want to ask to them in a way that will elicit to some extent, I'm trying to get them to say interesting stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and they've heard it all. So, um, so I had to really work on my interview skills and really work on my communication skills verbally. Um, and then the second thing I have to do, which I think is really, really underestimated uh, and newspaper teaches you really well. Um, and sports teaches you really well, because the reality is like, I mean, I love baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I love that. I love track and field more than anything. Um, nine out of every 10 readers at the New York Daily News probably doesn't care about the javelin, right? And they they really, really love the New York Giants, but they don't necessarily care um, about, you know, three deep versus two deep in the defensive backfield, you know, defensive tackle versus nose tackle. You know, they, they don't necessarily care about that, right? So the second thing I had to do was translate all and NFL players. That's all they talk in you know, three deep, two deep, um, you know, uh, nickel linebacker, that's how, that's how they talk. Right. Um, and my job on some level is to translate all the, the complex stuff that they're saying into something that, you know, an eighth grader can appreciate, um, and into something that feels conversational. Um, and so I think it was a really, really good way to, to learn to communicate with multiple audiences. Um, because I'm, I'm take, I'm communicating with that advanced audience when I'm interviewing, but I have to dial it back to a more gem pop audience that kind of likes what they're doing or kind of likes the sport, but maybe doesn't love every single thing about it and want the detail. They're opening a newspaper at the time. Maybe they're reading it on their, on their phone. Um, 
And so I, I started doing that. Um, I also, along the way, one thing I really appreciated about newspapers is you kind of cover your sport. So I wound up doing NFL and NBA um, and a little bit of baseball, um, but you also get to kind of um, dabble in your passion, right? So mine was fitness coming up as I'm doing all this. Um, I'm going to the gym every night. I went to like, a, I went to a bodybuilding gym out in the Bronx called Star Fitness every night. I'm talking to bodybuilders, doing all that kind of stuff in my spare time. Um, again, training a couple of my own people, doing the best I can, making a lot of mistakes. Um, but I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm in that fitness world as best as I can be and trying to get there. Um, but I'm also around top athletes. One of the reasons I really wanted to cover sports is because um, the way I saw it coming up, sports is, you know, these are like, these are the closest thing we have to superheroes, right? If I want to look at, if, you know, Odell Beckham and the one-handed catch, you know, um, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron kind of flying through the air, like hanging for three seconds in the air, right? That's all the stuff I wanted to do. So to me, I was like, if I can cover these guys, hang out with these guys, write about these guys, at some point I can ask them, you know, Victor Cruz, what do you do for your abs, right? I think I asked, I, I actually asked him that like six times. Um, you know, um, Michael Johnson, what do you do to get faster, right? Justin Gatlin, what's your, I remember one of the funnest stories I did in New York Daily News, and I apologize for digressing, was, um, is um, I remember I, I got to uh, hang out with Justin Gatlin in Atlanta and, you know, interview him um, and train with him, right? And so all of that, I kind of, uh, was like a cool learning experience. Um, I feel like you've got to reroute me because I forget what it, I for, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question or if it, I'm just diving off. Yeah, you are without realizing it. But like the the question yeah. is kind of like how did you end up in men's health? But it's obvious, right? You yeah. you were a journalist for the newspaper and it started yeah. going into sports, and then you obviously started tacking on these fitness style questions or interviews or relationships that you're building. And I'm assuming that just kind yeah. of kept snowballing until you ended up there. Yeah, to, exactly. So um, I think two things, two things, it, it kind of snowballed. And again, the greatest thing with newspapers, to some extent, you can make your own luck and follow your passion. Um, and so the way I covered the team, right, was with an eye toward, you know, the things I was fascinated about most about the NFL were the NFL combine. That's one of the greatest, you know, examples of, of you know, sports biomechanics in action, right? How do you vertical jump? How do you broad jump? How do you, you know, how do you get in position to run the perfect 40, right? Those were the things that I appreciated most. And at the Daily News, they kind of gave me the freedom to kind of explore those things, um, to talk to doctors, to continue to deepen my knowledge in fitness. One of my favorite stories I did there was, um, and again, it's your passion that kind of drives a little bit how you look at the world and how you perceive sport, how you perceive whatever you're covering. Um, one of the coolest stories I did was I remember there was this one year the Giants had something like it was absolutely ridiculous. It was like eight ACL tears in the same year um, of among 60 players. Um, and that caught my eye. Right. Um, I had torn my ACL in college. Um, so I had kind of gone through the rehab and, you know, made it. But it was cool to kind of because all the other, none of the other guys saw that right mm -hmm. um, at the other publications, but I was very into that. So I wound up talking to all the players, um, talking to a lot of doctors um, about kind of how they were treating ACL, talking to a lot of PTs, um, doing a story on it and learning a lot about the ACL. Um, so, and, and about the knee, right? Um, so I think, yeah, all of that eventually snowballed. Um, I was starting to, I was starting to kind of get noticed a little bit, I think for some of that work. 
Um, and then, you know, it really did, it really does come down in the final analysis though, to applying, right. There was an open slot, you know, journalism. The one thing you get really good at is you, you realize you're probably not going to keep your job for very long. It's a tough, you know, especially in newspapers, it's, it, it's tough. Um, so I was always on the lookout for stuff. Um, you know, I saw men's health had an opening. Um, I definitely got, I got a little, um, I got a little hand from somebody. I actually had a really good friend at muscle and fitness. I'll shout him out now, Matt Tuttle. Um, who recommended me to somebody at, um, at men's health. Um, and at men's health, it's, you know, they, they obviously like the fitness background, but they were actually looking a little bit for somebody who had athlete connections because athletes tend to be on the cutting edge of fitness on some level. So I had spent, you know, probably a good five, six years doing the NFL, doing the NBA, um, again, training at the same time. So I kind of had that background for them. Um, and I could write because I had written every day for the last like six years of my life. Um, and so it was, a, it was a surprisingly easy, it was, or in, it was a lot easier for me to get hired than, or it was a lot easier for me to, I guess, for them to be interested in me than it had been when I was an intern at Syracuse. My job interview, um, was a really fun one. I'll tell I'll tell you that. Um, the first time, I, so I had a phone interview with one of the with one of the others there who wound up teaching me a, a whole lot about how men's health does things and why men's health does things that way. Um, and after that, my job interview was with the editor in chief, um, and he took me to a CrossFit workout in um, in the middle of Manhattan. So that was, and then we went out to eat um, super healthy after that. Um, and that was my kind of, and after that, um, I was hired. So yeah, I hope I answered your question. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, in general, I think, uh, if nothing else, what people, cause there's a lot of people listening that are like, well, they might not be striving to become an editor at a, mm -hmm. a, a, a place like that, but it does stress the importance of building your network and connection, um, fueling wherever direction you go with just your passion period and how that can really steer a lot of things for you. Uh, but then also the importance of writing, you know, and you kind of touched on the very beginning too, of just like, you know, so for me, I trained people in person for seven years before I shifted to just online, which was actually pre COVID. So I had this idea of, of doing it and then lo and behold, like everybody needed to do it. So I was kind of ahead of the curve with it, but even I had the same thoughts of like, is it really going to work? Is that something that's going to be viable? But the thing I had that I felt like a lot of people didn't was my ability to um, actually, because we didn't have software like True Coach and stuff like that when I in 2017 when I started doing it, but I could write such good descriptions of exercises that people yeah. could read their programs and really know, like I had analogies and stories for cues to help them execute it properly. And, and it goes to what you're saying with being able to be a good writer, but I, would, I think you would agree on this too it also is, is just proof of concept that you probably should be an in-person trainer before you're an online coach. Like, I think it's just, it's a necessity, you know, you don't, I don't know. You don't know how to do it the same if you don't. Yeah. I think, I think that's really, I think because you also don't know what, if you haven't stood in front of somebody and told them to hinge at the hips and they give you that clueless look, like what the heck is a hinge? I think that's something on the door, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then you can't possibly, you, you haven't figured out how to re-communicate that in a way that they're going to understand. So I think, I think every trainer, it's, it's kind of wild because I think online you, you have a lot of trainers popping up 
partly because it's really easy to kind of get started online and partly because they want to get started. So I don't hold anything against anybody, but I think you have, you have kind of too many trainers kind of popping up who haven't done in person and it, it winds up limiting how effective, you know, the, you ha they haven't seen, you know, their 15 rep, you know, 15 reps of biceps curls at, you know, 80% of your one rep max, they haven't seen what that results in, right? They've just kind of know that they can make it through that, or they've found a way to kind of make it through that. Um, so I think, you, yeah, you need to, I think I couldn't do my job very well if I hadn't spent time, one, making my own mistakes, but two, watching, making my own mistakes, training people mm -hmm. and seeing what didn't work. I think it's really, really important. Um, but I, th I think when you go in after that, after you have that in-person background, it makes you a really, really, it makes you a strong fitness, a stronger fitness writer, because you always have that, that first person you train, you always have that general population person in your mind because you've met them. Right. And so from everything, not just from the writing, but even the way, the way, the way I program, for example, um, especially in men's health, it's like, I, I would love for everybody to deadlift from the ground. Right. I kind of know on some level, it's a lot easier and safer for me to to teach them the Romanian deadlift first before I have them deadlift from the ground. And I know that because I've seen different things work and I always keep that in mind. And I think, you know, little things like that, it makes you a much better programmer. Um, it's interesting. I, I think I got into the online thing and I started to appreciate it and study it more one because of the pandemic, but two, because, um, I had been resistant to it for a long time. A lot of apps would approach me and I would just slam the door on them because, you know, I'm an in-person trainer. I take myself too, I take myself seriously, probably too seriously. Um, so yeah, I just don't do that. I'm sorry. Um, and then a friend of mine who worked very, very closely with an app, he basically said, um, he basically said, yeah, that's all fine and great, but you have 8 million other trainers on these apps, right? Would you rather people are learning from you because you take yourself so seriously and you think you're so awesome, right? Would you rather people are learning from you online or would you rather people are learning from all these trainers who you don't take seriously enough, right? And I was like, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's, it's also its own skill because it is like, it is the, it is, it is the farthest touch I can have on a person or the, the least contact I can have with them and still make an impact on them. So it is, it is a skill really, really worth learning, but it takes, it takes a level of mastery that, that I think is really, really important to put in the work to get to that point. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that people who have a lot of experience in person as well, they appreciate uh, the depth or they, they just apply more depth to programming too, because there's a lot of people online who it's almost like their programs are just a list of exercises and, and they kind of do this with, uh, with research too, because they haven't been like, it's a cheesy word, but like in the trenches, so to speak. Yeah. Like they read the research and it's like the Bible. It's like, this is black and white. It's written in stone. Like this is, this is what research shows, but research is based on averages. It's based on specific scenarios. And like, there's a lot of times where the research will give us a lot of information, but unless you've been in the gym with somebody, putting your hands on them as they do a lift, talking them through it, doing those things. I think there's a lot of times where you can actually kind of tweak and twist what the research shows to actually fit a person much better or just take the information from it and apply it in a different way. But people who have never had that experience, again, it's just a list of exercises and like written in stone words from research. Like, I mean, even what you just said about the, the deadlift, 
somebody who just is online has never been in person would just say, well, the deadlift is, you know, it's a great compound lift. You should be able to do it from the floor, like conventional sumo, travel, it doesn't matter, just deadlift. But it does matter on so many different levels for so many different occasions for so many different people. You know what I mean? Because it's not just an exercise. It's a specific movement for a specific person. And there's so many different limb lengths and biomechanics and all these different things that apply to it. But you wouldn't know that if you weren't in person. Yeah. And you might've accidentally stumbled on it and learned it. Right. Mm -hmm. If you know, because, because like you said, you, you read every single deadlift research paper in the world. Right. But the, yeah, it's, I think it's the difference between, um, and the best trainers are a combination of these two things. There, there's book smart, which is funny because I actually, growing up, I was the book smartest kid and the street dumbest kid I've ever met. But it's, you know, there's there's book smart and that's kind of the research and you read everything and you think you know it, right? But the application part, and I think that, I think this is kind of what we're talking about. It's like, you can read all the stuff and put together all these workouts, but if you're just programming for people without having that in-person aspect, then you've kind of skipped the, the truest application part. Right. Yeah. And I would contend that when we, when myself, you, when we're kind of building these, when we're building these online workouts for people, we're, what we're applying is kind of what we did in, in the gym with regular humans. So if, if you're only doing the online stuff, um, even if you have all the research, basically you skip the critical step of learning how to apply. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why it's not going to work so well. And that's why it's, you're always going to be limited. So I think everybody needs, I also think too, it, it's not a thing where you can say, Hey, you know, I trained somebody back in, you know, 1997. So I'm good. I had 10 clients back in 1997, but I haven't worked with a, a human in person in the last 20 years, but I'm good. Cause I got that. I think it's important <laughs> to, and this is something I keep in mind in mental health too. It's like, I feel like I need, I always try to have one of everything, right? I've got one in, at least, right? If not more. And very most of the time it's more. But I always want one um, human client, right? In person. Um, one um, video client where it's virtual workouts. Um, and one um, online client where it's kind of the more, you know, it's like, hey, I wrote you a program. We're communicating back and forth. Because then it's like, I have to work with all the different levels of touch I can probably have with a person. And that's going to prepare me for um, the, the men's health thing, which is the least amount of touch. And I don't really know anything about that person. Right. Yeah. So then I'm always kind of, so I think it's really important, but back to my other point, and I promise I'll shut up. Um, I think if you train that person in 1997, the issues that people, th there are probably some similarities, right. But the issues that people are dealing with, on, you know, in terms like people weren't texting all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, so they, you know, they were probably looking at books, you know, but just the, the different issues that people have on some level, there's commonality, but the way that, that humans process it, you know, I could land a client now who has, you know, who basically, you know, from the age two until 22 has been on an iPad. That could be my next client, which is different from the 42 year old who learned to play when they were six and played tag when they were six and then spent 20 years on the iPad, but at least has a little bit of athleticism, you know, based on the fact that they were playing tag at, at recess every day. So I think you've got to keep training people on some level, even if, even if you do want to kind of skip, you know, focus on the online thing. I think it's really important to keep training people on some level or at least every couple of years. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Like I, I don't personally have any paying in-person clients anymore, but for example, yeah. like I've, uh, now he's had a complete transformation, but my brother-in-law is like my lifting partner, but I write his programs. I coach him through the reps, yeah. like seeing him do the movements and essentially test the programs that we start to implement with a lot of people online. It helps so much, you know, cause I can do it live time. Yeah. Um, one of the things like it's, it's 
an obvious factor just based on all the conversations we're having right now, which I love that it's obvious before I even got a chance to ask this, was coming up with topics for men's health, but not so much of like what to talk about, more of like mm-hmm. how to go about it. We kind of touched on it before, but you know, as I said, one of the things I love about men's health is that it's not just clickbait, which is very, very common. Um, and I think that there is, I, I think a lot of people get this mistaken, but um, like between clickbait and bait and switch kind of content, which I actually think bait and switch is, I used to like at first was like anti that because I'm the like real world evidence-based trainer. But at a certain point I was like, you know what, if I'm not getting the attention of the people who really need my help, what am I doing? I'm just like competing with other trainers who aren't going to hire me or get my help anyway. So I actually, I, I think bait and switch is great, but it's, it's a skill because you have to be able to create interest and get somebody's attention without taking it too far because it can't be like unrealistic, but it also has to like shift into an actually like valuable thing. And there's a lot of really popular websites, magazines, different things like that, where um, it's just straight clickbait because it's, it's like the results that are inside of the title leading to basically just a long form supplement ad that is just completely full of shit. It's, it sucks. It's hard to see in the industry, but you guys do such a good job at being able to do that. Um, now I know you don't write every single piece of content that goes out in that, but I got to imagine that you're overseeing the vast majority, if not all of them that actually get published. So like, how are you able to, um, like, I don't really know what the good question is, but just getting your thoughts on like the art of that in a way. Yeah. And it's funny because it, um, so two things, one, fundamentally, it's really hard, especially, especially now because we men's health and not just men's health. I feel like all, like every content creator just won't as, as you know, Cody and them on Instagram, we're competing against some, you know, against 15 second TikToks, you know, and the, um, upside down handstand, this and that challenge, right. That's what we're, that's what we're all going against. So it's really, really hard one to kind of stay true to a little bit of a, a stronger North star on fitness and two, to, um, to execute. And I think on some level, the one thing I try to keep in mind is that thing that my, that my friend told me several years ago about, about, um, about apps, right. And about not being on the fitness app. And it, it does come down to on some level, um, we can do all the most perfect flawless fitness content at men's health in the world. And I can be proud of it because it's research-based and evidence-based. Um, and it reads just like a textbook. And if nobody's reading it, the question I try to keep in the back of my mind is, well, if nobody's reading it, then am I really winning, right? I can't impact lives if nobody looks at it. So um, I think what we try, and again, it's really hard. What we try to do is is definitely kind of grab people's attention. And this is also inherent to journalism. This goes back to something I had to do, you know, newspaper a long time ago. Um, something like the inverted pyramid, right? Put the thing that will get people's uh, attention um, at the front of, at the front, and then you can get into all the sciencey stuff as you go on, right? Um, and I think that's one thing we do at Men's Health. And the other key thing we do at Men's Health, and this um, this is really, really important. This is one of the first things I learned at Men's Health too, is the idea of you. And the idea of you as in you, the person on the other side of the screen, on the other side of the screen for this podcast conversation, for my video, for um, whatever story we put up for my Instagram post. Um, the people who consume fitness content, especially are selfish in a good way, 
right? They're there not because, um, you know, to some extent, I guess they want to be entertained, but most of the people who click onto men's health are there because, you know, they've, de they've decided they want to lose 10 pounds. They want to add 10 pounds of muscle, um, you know, or something like that. Right. Um, and they have a goal, right? And as long as I keep their goal in mind, and I try to keep this in, in every single piece of content we do at Men's Health, as long as I keep the goal of the person on the other end of the screen in mind, right? Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, that same person, that gem pop person that we talked about earlier, um, then I'm able to kind of create, I think, compelling content that will hold their attention and still teach them something, right? Um, the other thing I think is really important and we try to do it at men's health and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes we're not always going to get it right. But, um, I never want anything to just be like, Hey, here are the exercises you do. Right. Um, because then I gave you a workout, but I didn't, um, teach you anything. Right. One thing I try to do, even when I train real people is, um, I try to, in my mind, I want to keep you. And again, I, I sort of maybe have a little bit of a luxury of this because I am at men's health. Uh, so I have multiple income streams, but I want to train somebody for six months tops, right? Because in my mind, if I'm putting a little bit of it, and maybe we stick together after that for a variety of reasons, but if I'm putting a cap on it, I'm only going to train for six months. That means I had to teach you something too, mm -hmm. right? That way you can do it for yourself. Um, and at men's health, I really want our content to be empowering in that way. So it's like, okay, here is the Bulgarian split squat. We're going to tell you how to do it, right? But on some level through our video instruction or whatever, I'm hoping you also kind of learn why you're doing it, you know, what a unilateral exercise is, um, you know, and, and what you're really going to get out of it and how to program it by yourself, right? Um, so we always try to include that component. Um, and I think those are the keys. I think those are the keys in all content. Even when I do my own Instagram stuff, right? I'm generally, I try to put a lot of thought into the workouts I'm giving people um, and into making them, you know, it's like I could post, you know, hey, all the times I bench 275, right? Um, or I can post, you know, the, the dumbbell press with a little bit of tempo that's a little bit more accessible and teach somebody, you know, how to get started. Um, and so I try to choose to, um, to post that stuff. I think the numbers, cause we all get numbers now, right. You're going to get numbers on this podcast. We get numbers on, you know, the stories that do well. And, you know, we, we all know what does well on Instagram, right. I think the numbers are great. And one of our challenges as like, or one of the challenges for fitness trainers is to be aware of the numbers because they do inform in terms of what, you know, people want to see. Right. But we also have a responsibility, I think, to give them like what they need, right? So I could post biceps workouts every day. And there was a point when I started doing content when I was just posting a lot of biceps workouts because they were getting a lot of likes, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what the game was about. Um, and somebody made a good point to me um, that basically, they basically pointed out you never post a leg workout, right? And I'm like, yeah, well, nobody wants to watch the leg workouts. So why am I going to post them? But the more I thought about it, well, I have a responsibility. I can't really give you what you need. If you're not training legs, you're missing out on so many things, right? So I have a responsibility to, you know, if I'm going to try to be a leader in the fitness space, like a real leader, as opposed to just a leader in terms of followers, then I have a responsibility to, to make sure to get some leg workouts up there too. That way you have a little bit, you know, if, if you are coming to me for, and you're just picking a workout off my, off my Instagram, you can get enough, right? Um, and I'm showing you enough and reminding you to train legs. So I think it's always balancing responsibility with the desire for clicks and figuring out a way to make that clickbait 
educational too. Yeah. I think that, uh, like on Instagram, for example, you can, I mean, you can alternate it every other post you're, you're intentionally trying to get reach and the ones in between you're intentionally trying to educate the people who already follow you. And you know, that's a good method. I think it becomes more, and I'm biased. I just, I, I personally have so much more respect for writing and I still to this day write articles for our website and we put a lot of emphasis into uh, how much traffic goes to the website and everything through that. So I'm always kind of biased to that like creative, but um, in an article, it's a little bit more difficult because you know, the titles got to get them to read the first header and the first header has got to get them to read the first intro paragraph. And then the, the intro paragraph has got to be good enough to keep them into the meat and potatoes. You know, you got to kind of keep people going. So you have to like bleed it into that. Right. And I think that's where it, it gets really interesting. Um, one of the difficult things that I hear from people, and, and I know I struggled with it for a while. Um, and actually Gary V was one of the people that I don't think he ever said this, but it made me think of it from a fitness perspective. Cause I realized at a certain point that he basically just says the same thing over and over and over and over again, mm. but I kept consuming it cause I liked it. <laughs> and I thought about it and I was like, well, he has his message and he's telling us one thing. And I think what I'm getting at here is it's gotta be hard to keep publishing content through men's health, especially because I mean, shit in a magazine, how many articles are in there, you know? And then every month you got to do it. And there's like little blurbs, there's longer ones. And then you have the content on your guys' website. So we're kind of talking about the same few things I feel like over and over and over again. So finding ways, like we said it off air, but like to reinvent the wheel without actually reinventing it. Because I mean, if we're being honest with people and really educating them, this you've been lifting and working out since you were 11 or 12, I think you said. So it takes time and there's like fundamentals that you really just got to like be consistent with. So getting people to um, get on board with that is tough at times, you know? So like what, what are some of the, I mean, one, do you agree with that? And two, like, are there certain things that you keep in mind to be like, okay, these are like the main, like, this is the umbrella of topics that we talk about. And I'm just kind of cycling through them or re kind of recreating how I go about teaching them or, or what is the strategy? I, I mean, it, it, and that, that's, that's the hard part, right? Um, yeah, that, that, cause I, I like to say, and I think you kind of alluded to a little, yeah, it's, the, the the things we need to tell people too, especially beginners, are are kind of all the same things after a while, right? Um, and all the best exercises, there is no new exercise. Like the newest exercises in the world are the dumbest exercises yeah. in the world because you know push up, squat, row, all these stuff that have been around, all these exercises that have been around for for five hundred years, and that bodybuilders like across whether you're a bodybuilder, you're a track guy, you're a you're a football player, you're doing you know on some level you're hitting those concepts. Those are probably the best moves if they can produce you know um, so many. Like I remember um, I went down to Florida State. Um, and spent some time at Vic Valoria at the time was a strength coach down there. Um, he basically told me, he's like, and his philosophy was I can give me three exercises. I believe it, his exercises were deadlift, squat, overhead press, right? Give me three exercises. I can build you any athlete, whatever you want, no matter how you want them to look, I can make them look away. I can make them powerful. I'll change little pieces in there. But, um, yeah, so, so all the best moves are taken and on some level, all we're doing, you know, I can't give better deadlift advice than Chris Duffin. I just can't. He's deadlifted a bajillion pounds. Um, I can frame it a little bit differently. Um, and all we're doing, but all we're doing is kind of recycling. And I think this is the entire fitness industry. I don't think this is just men's health. All we're doing is kind of doing our best to, because um, people need to hear the basics, just find ways to repackage it. Mm -hmm. I think the key, and this is what, um, 
fitness Instagram has done well to some extent. I think the key and the challenge is excitement, right? Because we know the basics. I need you, I need, in my opinion, I need you to hinge. Okay. I need you to, I need you to hinge. I need you to row. I need you to do some kind of like squat or lunge. Um, and I need you to press, right. And I need you to hit your core. Right. And the, across the magazine and across the site and across our video, those are the things that I want people to do. But I also understand, especially some of these classic exercises, like pull-ups and push-ups, um, all the things we did in grade school, you know, there's a, there's a parallel universe where, um, because I could never do push-ups in gym class and I was awful at them in fifth grade, I just quit and I'm, you know, 35 years old now. And if I hear the word push-up, I just like crawl, curl into a ball and I don't want to fitness at all. Right. So if, for that person, if, if I'm putting a ton of push-ups in, in the magazine, yes, it makes, um, fundamental fitness sense and it's going to get them somewhere, but it's not going to, you know, I think it's not going to excite them. It's just going to make them take the magazine, turn to another page and, you know, or close it and turn on the TV. Right. So I think the riddle for us is, um, the riddle for us and the thing we have to give people. And the thing I try to give people is that little bit of variability that still kind of makes sense, right? And still has them doing the same movement pattern, but changes it up so that it doesn't feel like the barbell deadlift they did six years ago that wrecked their back for the last five years, right? Um, and I think, you know, that's where we're playing. And that's actually the fun part of the space, right? Because that's where we're playing with, um, with all the advanced stuff that we have, because, you know, you and I can talk for hours about, you know, the difference between, you know, concentric and eccentric, you know, the difference between unilateral, you know, the difference between like a split stance, you know, RDL and a traditional RDL, right. The different, you know, um, what happens if we're doing like a row from plank position. I think that's where we, I try to mix things up, especially on my Instagram, but also at the brand, right. It's like, I don't necessarily want you to barbell press, you know, but that doesn't mean I can just say you have to like dumbbell press is your only option. That's not fun for somebody. And, we, and so I have to, you know, it's like, here's a single arm dumbbell press. Um, here's an incline dumbbell press. Here's an alternating dumbbell press. Those feel very, very different from the things that some people in society might be afraid of, but they're still hitting the same fundamental notes I need them to hit. So I think to me, the secret, and this is also the challenge of the magazine, right? Every single, you know, we, we, for the last three decades, we've done the workout spread, you know, and it's, you know, it's the highlight for, you know, it's meant in the way I try to view our workout spread is it's, you know, for the guy who doesn't want to go nuts, right. Who just wants, who's getting all their fitness from the magazine. Um, it's all the fitness that they need for an entire month until their next issue of men's health. If you do this workout four days a week, it's not going to turn you into Chris Hemsworth, but it is going to give you all the fitness you need. So I make sure we hit, you know, all those pieces. We've got the press, we've got the row, we've got the, the you know, they're all in there in some level. Um, and every month I try to, I think of it as almost like two or three, you know, two or three of those pieces are going to be very, very basic. Right. Um, the classic dumbbell press, the classic Romanian deadlift, um, the classic reverse lunge, right? Um, and then the other two pieces or, you know, one or two pieces are going to be something you've never seen before, or, you know, obviously you've seen on some level, but something that feels different and gets you excited. So that gets you to, 
to hopefully, you know, it's kind of like, that's the, um, I'm really bad with desserts, but that's like the Oreo cookie, right. That, that you have it, that, that gets you into, you know, the green beans and the beef and the, the bottle of water that I want you to drink. Um, so I think that's the key. It's you just have, you give people one piece of exciting, um, from a programming standpoint, and then you can have the rest of the vanilla because it, I mean, the reality, I mean, the reality is like vanilla ice cream tastes fine as long as you kind of, you know, have a little bit of excitement to it. So that's what we're trying to do. I think it meant health. I'm, I, I think I answered your question. I feel like I'm not, but I'm doing the best I can here. Yeah, no, it's good. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah. all these podcasts are just natural conversations and rants to be honest with you. And, and that's what people yeah. love. But I tell people the same thing with programming to be honest with you. There's cause I, and that this goes back to just being in person with somebody and having that experience. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, people will say, well, based on like what research shows, how often do you need to change an exercise? And I guess the answer really is like, once you stop progressing, you know, but then people will just, well, this person's going to like, they're new. So have them do the same lunge for 12 weeks straight because they can just keep progressing it. But at the same time, they got bored week three, you know? So yeah. what I have to tell people was like, okay, well, if, if we're intentionally trying to focus on these one to two muscle groups and we're looking at trying to do a unilateral knee dominant movement, well, we can start with a split squat and then do an elevated split squat and then a reverse lunge, then a forward lunge, then a walking lunge, then a Bulgarian split squat. And, and you know what I mean? You just keep going and going and going. By the time you come back to the regular split squat, it's a brand new exercise in their mind. And you could do that all year round and you, you're progressing the pattern. And I think that's like that thing you said at the beginning, the, in, in my t- uh, teacher in college that used to say the same thing, we would always say push, pull, hip, knee, core. And it's the same thing, right? Push something, yeah. pull something, hinge, do something like a squat or a lunge, knee dominant, and then something for your core. You do that yeah. and you're, you're basically straight, but to the regular person, like you said, being able to make that more exciting is the hard part. And, and I love what you said about the push up Cause I've, a lot of people don't even think about that. The backstory of like, it's more common that people had that struggle situation where they hate push-ups. But if you said a uh, alternating dumbbell floor press, which is still just a horizontal press, now we're like, we get easier buy-in because we're not like immediately putting up a, a fear word to them, which is push-up, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that is also what you're speaking to, too, in my opinion, is also the art of, of programming, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if it really was, and it, because yes, it really is as simple as like you said, push, pull, hinge, you know, push, pull, knee dominant, hip dominant core, right? It really is on some level as simple as that, but it's the different, I, I, yeah, the, the mental engagement of a workout is huge. And I think, and again, that's something you learn, like you said, in person, you've got to, because if you give somebody that lunge for 12 weeks, you're going to, you're going to see them check out. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and then you're going to realize, yes, this is what the textbook said. No, it doesn't work. Um, and, and the the art of programming is kind of, and the art of programming in person is being able to kind of adjust on the fly a little bit and say, yeah, you know what? I had this programmed for the person I had, you know, 12 sets of rows programmed. They're not into it. So how do I get them to do the same thing? And that's what, and that's where you kind of learn. And that's kind of, um, yeah, I just think that's, that's key. So I think everything you're saying is, is completely, is completely true. And it's the great challenge of, of what we do, because I think too, you have this society that's come up now on social media, right. And, you know, they've seen, um, they've seen kind of, you know, to, to some people, um, 
and again, all this stuff got them excited, right? They see the the guys with like 1.7 million Instagram followers doing like the crazy workouts where, you know, it's like two guys on like, you know, airdynes like pedaling away from each other with resistance bands. And they think if you don't know anything, you probably think that's going to work. And you also, if you don't know anybody and you think that's going to work, and then you go to a Cody or an Ebb and they have you doing six sets of lunges, you're like, well, why can't I do the thing that the guys with the abs are doing? Mm -hmm. Cause that's obviously how you get abs. So there's also this, this mental piece, I think for, for clients where they're brought up, they're brought up in this world too, that we, you know, gem pop is, you know, it's, it's constantly hit with the idea of hit, right. It's like hit is the secret to everything. Right. So when you ask somebody to do, you know, somebody comes to me and they want, you know, um, to up their bench press and I'm like, okay, so we're going to do, um, you know, four sets of dumbbell presses with 90 seconds in between. They're like 90 seconds. That can't be, that's not going to work. That's not what everybody else is doing. And so you, you have to, it's like, we're working against those misconceptions and you can, when somebody comes in and they're at that point where they have a lot of those misconceptions and I, as a trainer sit on this end where I'm like, Hey, we're just going to do four sets of 15. We're going to do four sets of eight. You know, you're going to take 90 seconds in between we have, I have to meet the client in the middle. Um, because if I don't, then they're just not going to, they're just not, you know, we can evolve over like the course of 12 weeks to where I need them to be. But if I don't meet them in the middle for that first session, for that first three sessions, they're not going to come back for like the last three, because they're just going to be like, well, that's not what I saw on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, half the time, uh, what's sexy isn't, you know, isn't actually what is going to get results, which is actually, it's, it's perfect. Like kind of segue into the the last question I have for you today, um, which is kind of just like an overview of, of the advice you would want to give. Like, let's say you met yourself, but yourself didn't spend all this time since he was a kid working out, you know, which I mean, to an extent, you're kind of writing to that person constantly. Right. So like, what are, what's the main piece of advice you would give that person? Because I think like when I, you know, scroll through your Instagram and when I look at the content that you guys are creating at Men's Health, the thing I do like about it is that it is, um, it's using the art of content creation, the art of storytelling and writing and, and, you know, um, especially kudos to you because being able to write some of these things that we're talking about and making it fun and explaining the importance of stuff is way harder than telling somebody face to face. Cause if you can look them in the eye and they can gain trust and, you know, yes. from that it's, it's just different. But, um, when I look at the content, what I see is, is taking what science shows works, which is often not always sexy. And it's usually quite simple. You know, I mean, there's a million cool, insane diets, but really boils down to a deficit, right? Like that's most of the time what we're looking at here. So what is your advice for somebody who is like, okay, I just want like, I don't care how long it takes, what you got, what I, how much I got to pay, what I got to do. Like, what is the best advice you can give this person to transform their physique, go from point A to point B, um, a guy who just wants to, to get lean and build muscle. Yeah. Uh, so I got to think about that a little bit, even though I should be prepared for this question, because I feel <laughs> like I just answered every day. Um, but I think it was really, um, the first I thought when you, when you answered, when, when you asked the question, I was like, he's not going to tell me exactly who this person is. And I'm going to have to give the best advice I can to and that's hard. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that one of the fundamental things is, is the goal and it starts with the goal and it's identifying what specifically your goal is. And then I think you program um, and you figure it out all from there. So I think one, one of the biggest things I see for gem pop actually is they kind of have a goal, but they, they don't necessarily, you know, they kind of have a goal, but they don't necessarily always understand 
what that goal is, right? Like the, you know, a guy may want to lose 15, 20 pounds, right? Um, I think it's really important for you to know why you want to lose those, those 15, 20 pounds. Like, do you want to lose those 15, 20 pounds? So, you know, you look better. So you fit into a, a, a pair of pants for, um, you know, for an upcoming wedding. Cause that's one thing, right? Do you want to lose those 15, 20 pounds so you can play with your kids better on the basketball court? Cause that's an, you know, or so you can go for a run. Cause that's another thing. Do you want to, you know, lose those 15, 20 pounds. So you, so you just feel better physically and your joints are a little bit less sore. Um, that's another thing. So I think it's really, really important. And the one, one of the things I wish I'm, I am going to speak to my former self, right. One of the things I wish I did early on was develop that more concrete goal. I didn't have that when I started in fitness. I mean, I kind of, it's like, I wanted to do push-ups. Um, I also wanted to dunk a basketball. I also wanted to, um, I also wanted to have like perfect abs. Um, and I wanted, you know, and so I wanted to do all this stuff. And the, the reality, the reality is what I wound up doing is especially early on. And especially when I, when I first got to New York. So I was like, Oh, I'll just do it all. Right. Um, so suddenly I'm, I'm wearing myself out in the gym, not getting better at anything because I'm trying to do like a plyo program for elevation as I'm trying to do, you know, 45 minutes of abs, which is dumb in its own thing anyway. Um, as I'm also trying to, you know, I was very big into 220. I want to do 225 a whole bunch of times, you know, at the combine. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So I'm trying to do a, a program to, to beef up my bench press all at once. Right. And I think it's really, really important for people to break their training down, um, break it down into, into like the goal you really, really want, and then attack that goal. Right. Don't, don't, and you got to stick with it right? The key is like, stick with it. So if you say that you're gonna, um, if you say your goal is, you know, I want to go get better at basketball to play with my kids, right? Um, then stick, you know, down, whether you're coming to me or, or, or you're just downloading a program, stick with whatever it is for, you know, 12 to 16 weeks. I think it's a little bit longer for beginners. Um, stick with it and don't deviate. Even if, you know, it, your, your friends all of a sudden it's summer. So they're all talking about abs, or, you know, you watch a really, really cool YouTube video at bench press. It's like you wrote down, and I think it's important and it helps to write it down. You wrote down that you want to play with your kids. You want to crush your kid in basketball in three months. Right. So stick with that because that's the, if, if you jumped, if you goal jump all the time, I don't think, you know, that then it's, you're not going to get anything out of it. So I think that's, um, I think that's the most important thing. And I think that kind of feeds the, um, the second thing, which is just overall, consistency right and this is kind of something i feel like we've hit a little bit in this podcast it's like it's it's a it's more about the basics and it's more about repeating concepts and repeating exercises than it is about you know constantly changing it up and having something that feels different all the time um i think if you're a little bit more if you're a little bit more advanced i think the more mess you get the more you have a little bit of variability the more you want to explore um but especially when you're getting started, it's like whatever, whatever your program says, whatever, you, whatever core, what your core exercises are, um, let's make a point to, you know, do those three times a week. You can't, you can't get better at an exercise. I remember this was hard for me at first too, because um, I was definitely trying to, I was trying to mix things up. So I was bench pressing like once a week, you know, I'm a kid obsessed with bench pressing, so, but I'm bench pressing once a week. Right. Um, and the result was I can never actually, you know, every time I'm coming to it, I'm coming to it a little bit new after I've done 8 million other exercises and tried a bunch of stuff. And so I wasn't getting better. I, my, my, I was, I had to relearn it 
before I could before I could just ramp up and and dominate it, right? And so I think you want to whatever your core lifts are that really hit your goal, you know. Um, I think you want to do them at least two to three times a week, right? Um, and I think the third key is is patience, um, and and this is because you know some people are going to hear me say you know two three times a week, so I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to bench six days a week, right? Um, but the being able to rest and recover is huge for longevity. Um, and, you know, having like, you know, your goal is not every, a lot of people come to me and they want to, they, you know, they do want to lose weight or they do want to look like, I, um, you know, Daniel Craig or something like that. I ask people, a lot of times I think people's goals are visual, even if they don't say it. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask, you know, um, you know, you told me you want biceps and chest and whatever. Um, but who do you want to look like? Because, you know, so, so that's a question I'll ask very often and I'll get a, a celebrity answer very often. Um, and very often I'm just like, remember, this is going to take more than 12 weeks because the celebrity might've done it in 12 weeks because everything was dialed in, you know, you have a life and kids and a job. And so, you know, you have to be patient with yourself. Right. Um, and that was definitely a thing for me. You know, I was, um, I wanted, and it kind of goes hand in hand with, with not going too hard, but going just the right amount of hard. Um, you know, I wanted big biceps at one point. So I was like, I'm just going to curl every single day and I'm just going to do, you know, six sets of 20 and it's not happening with six sets of 20. So I guess I'll do seven. Um, and I wasn't resting. And also I stopped taking my reps seriously. Um, so I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting anything out of it. Um, and the last thing I'll say, and then I promise I'll stop. Um, I think it's really, really important for people to, um, you've got to, you've got to learn the technique and master the technique before you start kind of adding weights, adding reps, playing with, you know, playing with tempo, trying to go to a failure. Um, because especially, especially for muscle building goals, um, and for aesthetic goals, which I do not think are bad. Um, especially for those things, if you're not, if you're not feeling it and you're not executing cleanly, then, you know, the lift isn't going to, the lift isn't going to get, you know, you can, you can go up and wait, but you're not really stressing the muscle, right? It's a lot. I believe exercise is, there's an aspect of it that is point A to point B, you know, I got to get the, the weight from my, from, you know, arm straight to, you know, to my chest, if I'm doing a biceps curl, right. But it's also about kind of, you want to understand and feel the correct muscles. Um, and if you're not one, you, you've got to, you know, you've got to be honest with yourself and maybe go down a little bit and wait, maybe focus on the squeeze a little bit more, maybe, maybe hold at the top of your rep. Um, or two, if you're working with a trainer, um, you know, don't just blindly keep doing it or nod your head, you know, cause you think you're supposed to, but tell the trainer, Hey, I'm not feeling this. Um, I feel this biceps curl in my lower back instead of my, instead of my biceps. That way the trainer can, you know, like look for it or make the adjustment, or maybe that lift just isn't for you because, you know, you, you, maybe you just don't like it. So I think it's, I think that's the other important thing. Yeah. I love it, man. I think, uh, as a whole, and there's so many points that I can even relate to like earlier in my journey to get into this. Um, I think I was already losing weight, but I specifically remember seeing the movie, the fighter, I think it was with Mark Wahlberg and he jumps up in the street and does like windshield wipers. And I remember that being a huge motivation from a training perspective for me. Cause I was like, I can't do that shit. 
but I want to <laughs> yeah. do that, you know? And so like it created a goal. So you, you do see visual things and it does change a lot, but, um, no, I love it, man. Like it, it's been really cool to have somebody of your caliber on here again, because I think that you're one of the top content creators in multiple ways. I think a lot of people think content creator and sometimes they just think Instagram. So it's nice to have somebody on that can touch on a much more broad spectrum. Um, and you're not just creating it, but you're editing and reviewing it. So like it's even to me, it's even another level, right? It's, it's making sure content creators are creating properly. Um, and then as far as the last bit, it's, I mean, to me, it boils down to consistency, simplicity, and probably changing it up to stay within those things. Um, and, and I could not agree more with that, that last point as well of, um, of the exercises being executed properly. Cause otherwise I think, especially there's been a lot of research showing higher volume is better and, and it's true in the research, but if you're just stacking volume on top of exercises, poor, like poorly performed, it's just junk volume, you know, and that's where injuries happen, or you're just not building the actual target area. If you just keep adding volume, you're just fatiguing yourself elsewhere. You know, it's just no point, but, um, really, really good tips, man. So, uh, we're about at an hour, we're over an hour. So, um, I could probably keep going to be honest with you, but, um, I'm gonna let you go, man. I want to make sure that we, we shout out everywhere people can find you cause you put out some really good content. And then obviously you are a part of men's health. So can you just fill us in where, uh, like tell us your Instagram, anywhere else you put out content and then the best places for people to consume the men's health content that you're a part of. Yeah. I mean, so keep it, uh, keep it simple. Uh, cause we, we kind of like that. Um, Ebenezer Samuel, that's my Instagram. So that's kind of my main, uh, my main place. We might be growing a little bit at some point. So stay tuned for that. Um, for men's health, menshealth.com, obviously really good. Um, the other big place for us, obviously men's health, at men's health mag for the Instagram, but, um, the place where we're really putting out a ton of fitness content is, uh, men's health muscle. It's our new YouTube channel, very focused on fitness. Um, very focused on, on, there are a lot of interesting shows there where we try to have some fun, um, I won't say all of them because the list is too long. <laughs> okay, perfect. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll link those in the description of this for you guys to check out. Um, and, and again, man, thank you for spending time with us and, and sharing your knowledge. Anytime. That was great being on.